Welcome into the February 9th edition of the Locked On Lease podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti with you. On today's show, we're looking at three storylines that will be tracking the final 30 games for the Maple Leafs down the stretch. So let's not waste any time, Dave. Let's get right into it. You listen to Locked On Lease podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Lockdown Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, uh, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA, Lockdown Leafs, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast. So make sure you find us wherever you get your podcasts from, also up on YouTube as well. Uh, if you could subscribe, that'd be fantastic. We put out new content each and every day, Monday through Friday, it's all Leafs all the time here in the Lockdown Leafs pod. And uh, this bro- this podcast is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. All right, Dave. What's going on, pal? How you doing? How's uh, it's It's been a bit of a dry week in terms of Maple Leafs news. How you been keeping busy? No games to to watch from a least perspective you watch a little bit of what else is going on in the hockey world at least yeah a bit of that catching up on some hbo shows that i've uh hbo's got some incredible stuff would you like to elaborate uh, i finally watched that lakers series that they put together with uh with uh john c Riley. oh i haven't seen that yet i heard it's really good though it's pretty good it's it's not i mean you kind of have to take you know it's not the full it's dramatized a bit but it's yeah. hbo doesn't miss on many things and this one was pretty good yeah hbo has always been classic like the sopranos unreal show entourage billions i love billions that's a good uh good one that's still that's kicking around what's it yeah that's a really good one as well like there's hbo does it right that's why you gotta pay extra for the the hbo um was it HBO? HBO's done some hockey stuff too, haven't they? Have they done some? Uh, oh, maybe not. They maybe maybe have. Well, they've done well because Crave now has the. Um, I mean, they had the twenty four seven documentaries. The That's what I was. I thought it was an HBO thing, but I was thinking, oh, maybe it was something else. But it was like the twenty four seven stuff, right? Yeah, they started that, okay. and then um, I also think they were doing like Hard Knocks, HBO Hard Knocks. Yeah. I think it was HBO. You know, Hard Knocks is the NFL one. Yeah, HBO twenty four seven is like their road to the Winter Classic. That's what it was. Yes, and Brucey Boudreaux let go about sixty seven f bombs, and it was fantastic. Uh, fantastic to watch. Yes, I do recall that. Um, I used to be a sucker for watching Hard Knocks, though. Like their their football ones. It, it's a, it, it's the if you actually it it's so impressive that they make preseason football so compelling like incredibly compelling because it's not really if you're just like a fairweather fan but even like regular fairweather fans really get into it they do a really good job so uh yeah i guess spending time catching up on your hbo shows it's it's not a bad way to spend the week 
I've been watching a lot of hockey. There's been some some really good hockey out of the out of the gate. Like the last couple of days, things have been chippy. Like there was that Calgary Rangers game the other day that we talked about. That was a, a terrific game. And then Detroit and Edmonton got a little chippy the other night. And you know I, we haven't seen the Maple Leafs yet, but uh, hopefully they can come out with a little bit more punch when they get back in action, uh, which they will. Uh, what I guess tomorrow, right? By the time this is out, it'll be tomorrow. They get the back to back against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, the 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 you know final stretch run is here, Dave. After the All Star break, fifty two games in the books, thirty games to go. And what we're gonna do on today's show is we're gonna look at the three storylines that we we'll be tracking um, the rest of the way, essentially. So uh, that's what today's podcast is going to be about, and I, I think you'd be silly to not have the number one storyline to be tracking is Austin Matthews and the injury situation there, right? Right knee sprain a couple of weeks ago, and they said he was going to be out for a minimum three weeks. Uh, to, you know, Thursday is the first day that the team's allowed to report and practice since the All-Star break, so we'll probably get an update tomorrow, I would assume, on uh, on Austin Matthews and find out where he's at once the doctors get in there and, and take a look and see if he's still um if he's still on pace to play after that three weeks which would be next friday or saturday i believe um it would be the the 10th i think the 18th is technically that uh, three-week timeline so we'll see but definitely his injury and how that impacts him and, and see if he can rebound from a I mean, not a not a bad first half but one where the production wasn't quite what was expected given he just came off a 60-goal campaign. So I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Austin Matthews the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, he didn't. he's not having the season that we were expecting coming off a 60-goal year, right? So when you look at all of that, and the injury is one that I wouldn't say it's the same as Morgan Riley's because Morgan Riley's kept him out a really long time, but it's still a knee injury. It is something that's going to hamper him, right? Most likely, it, this... It, it was an ideal time. I mean, there's no ideal time to have the injury, but it came at an ideal point in the season because of the break and, and the bye. So hopefully that allowed him the chance to just get to kind of reset. Cause I think he needs a little bit of a reset. If like to get to back to that level that he was at last season. Yeah. And, and I think three weeks off should be more than enough to, to rest that body. I mean, we saw what he did when he had two games off, earlier this season when he, you know, had that undisclosed injury and then had a little bit of the sniffles when he woke up the next day in Detroit and he'd sat out for those two games. And then he came back uh, and, and played extremely well in, in the following games after that. So um, hopefully we can see a similar thing with Austin Matthews where the final 25 games or so, he goes on a tear, an absolute tear. And then come playoffs, he's, he's rolling and he's in midseason form. I'm curious if you think, like, how – so if Austin Matthews does miss the next – I think he's scheduled to miss the next uh, four games, three or four games he's scheduled to miss. So he'll have roughly 25 games left if he returns uh, around that uh, three-week timeline that he was originally said to have. He's got 25 goals right now. If you had to project with 25 games, let's say, to go for him this season, what does he get to? I think 40 is a safe bet. Like I'm I'm going to put it at 40. That's that's a safe bet. Yeah. 
because that's a very safe bet is what i'm saying i think yeah because 40 with ease yeah it's just because a we don't know if he's gonna come back right away and yeah he only needs 15 in those 25 games that's that's kind of a normal pace for Austin Matthews. He could very well get. If I set the number, if I set the number at Austin Matthews right now, rest of seat, like if I set it at forty three and a half, would you take the over or the under if you're a betting man? I would take the over, and I'm probably expecting it maybe hit for him to just get over by like close to forty five. Hmm. Like, I think forty is solid for him based on everything. But I think 45 is kind of the max I can see him getting just because the games are going to be like the Leafs are actually fortunate that they've played a big chunk of their season pre all-star break. So I think they're going to get a little more of a balanced schedule in terms of they don't have as many, you know, those like three and five, you know, three games and five nights sort of deal because they played so much earlier on. So I'm hoping that because they're not going to be playing as much on you know, back-to-backs and all those, maybe that's something that will help him a little bit. So, yeah, I, I'm i still leaning. To, I, I would I could say over for the 43 just because I, I, I can't see him getting, like, a goal game pace the rest of the season. Yeah, I think 50 is probably out of, out of range at this point. But between 40 and 45, I could still see him do it. Like, if we look at the, uh, the rest of season schedule – um, strength of schedule the rest of the way. They're about in the eh, about mid middle of the pack, 17th uh, easiest schedule the rest of the way, according to uh, according to Power Rankings Guru, who I guess has done the math. Uh, the the average opponent rank. I don't really know what these rankings actually mean, to be honest with you. So I'm not even going to attempt to tell you, but I just know that they have the 17th easiest uh, schedule the rest of the way. So it's about a mid tier. So they're not, they don't have a difficult schedule. It's not an overly easy sched, but there are some teams out there that they should be able to to beat and maybe some games where he could pile up some goals and uh, finish up with, you know, 16, 17, 18 goals down the stretch here um, in the final 25 games and get himself, you know, playing at an elite level again, as we approach the playoffs, where he's going to have to be at his best. He's going to have to be in midseason form for that, and he's going to have to have the best playoff of his career, I think, uh, for the Maple Leafs to finally get out of the first round. So all eyes are going to be on Austin Matthews and the health there. Um, so that is one of the the, the number one storyline, I would say, that, uh, that we are certainly taking a look at. we got two other storylines that we want to tell you about, uh, so we'll do that on the other side. But first, Dave, why don't I tell the good people about one of today's show sponsors? And that is, of course, the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Uh, it is one of our favorites. I use it almost on a daily basis, to be completely honest with you. I'm excited to be, a, to, to be our new sports betting partner uh, for Locked On because it's the number one sports book in North America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download FanDuel now. It's gonna be, uh, you can bet on Super Bowl 57 this weekend with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't hit. Uh, FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to the point spreads to who's going to score the touchdown. If you don't want to bet on the Super Bowl, you can go make wagers on the Raptors, the Maple Leafs once they get going this weekend. You can bet on anything on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, easy to use, and best of all, you get paid your winnings fast and instantly. 
So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet for Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner, of the NFL and the Locked On Network. Welcome back into the Locked On These Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. We got one more day until the Maple Leafs return from their bye week. It's been a long time since we've seen Maple Leafs hockey. It's been, uh, what's it been? Feb 1 was when they played the Bruins. So I haven't seen them in, what, eight days, I guess. And it'll be nine by the time that they play against the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. So a long break in between for a lot of these guys. And we're, we're going through three storylines that we'll be watching in the final 30 games beginning in tomorrow's matchup against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We already talked about the first one. It's Austin Matthews, uh, his injury, and how he performs down the stretch. What is the second storyline that we will be watching here, Dave, down the stretch? I mean, it's got to be the trade deadline, right? Like, what what will they do at the trade deadline? And what's the impact? Like, how far is Kyle Dubas want to go mm-hmm. to make this team <laughs> capable of not only getting out of the first round, but hopefully winning a few series along the way? Hopefully winning a Stanley Cup, Dave. That'd be nice. I'm I, like, I, I wouldn't hate that. You know, like I, I, I wouldn't hate it. You know, if Dubas did what, what was necessary to put this team in position to win the Stanley Cup and, and actually do it, I wouldn't be upset. Just say it. It'd be a nice, it'd be a nice little change of pace once per change. <laughs> Would it ever be? Um, yeah, absolutely. Like the between now and and the March third trade deadline, which is three Fridays from tomorrow. Uh, you know, that's clearly what everyone's gonna have their eye on uh between now and then right like what what's toronto gonna do uh who are they gonna bring in there's been a lot of chatter they need to bring in a top six forward they need to bring in a top four defenseman a muslim replacement no they need to just go out and get themselves uh more depth pieces and round out their team there's many different avenues that people believe the maple Leafs should go in and only kyle dubas knows exactly what he wants to do only he knows the path that he plans on going with um, I'm curious though, Dave, like we've chatted about it a little bit here and there, but I'm curious because my answer probably flip flops like every other day and what I think the Maple Leafs should do uh, at the deadline. Like, where are you at right now with where you would go if you had the cards, if you were the general manager, put your cap on the GM cap. How are you trying to execute the trade deadline? If you're the Maple Leafs GM, I think you got to make sure you're prioritizing that upgrade in the top six. Because when you look at what the other teams have to offer in terms of, you know, top to bottom scoring, I, I think the Leafs need a little bit of a bump there. Someone that it's going to be hard to find someone that's a known playoff performer, but I think you need to find someone that's going to be able to chip in and bring something different. I think there's just, there's an ingredient, there's an ingredient missing here. And I think that's got to be the top priority. And then I still think. Try to add a depth defenseman, someone that, you know, preferably can play on the penalty kill. I think they they could use just just another body there because if you lose a TJ Brody again, it, it's not pretty because then Justin Hall, Mark Giordano have to take even more responsibilities that we saw. And that didn't go so well when TJ Brody was out. I know a lot of people were talking about how Morgan Riley's return kind of screwed up the defense. I think TJ Brody's injury had a little bit to do with that as well. 
yeah, probably had uh, had something to do with it. I, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Um, so you're still you're still on the forward train, huh? Yeah. I'm starting to teeter back into the defensive market, man. I, I really, really am. I, I think if I were the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs and I'm looking at this team, I I don't like. I think the Maple Leafs top six, more so their their top four. I think they can go toe to toe with any core four around the league. Pick anyone, right? Tampa, Boston, Colorado. Like you pick it, I think they could compete. The four, you know, the the core four guys. Um, so they should be able to produce enough on their own if they produce up to expectation. That has not been the case over the last few seasons. And I'm not so sure that adding a top six player is going to magically make everybody else score. Like at the end of the day, those guys got to score to help this team win. But where I do think they're going to need help in the playoffs is on the back end who can eat a lot of minutes, play in their own end, and make it difficult for opposing teams who want to make it difficult for your goaltender. We don't know who the goalie's going to be. Might talk about that in a couple of minutes. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But whoever it is, um, you you know that it's going to be busy in front of the crease as it typically is in the playoffs. A lot of garbage goals where guys just go to the net, bang out rebounds, get a greasy goal off a skate or a shin pad. Like That's how a lot of these goals are scored. 80% of the goals are scored from the inner slot in the NHL. If you could get a guy who can box people out and make sure that dudes like Corey Perry and Pat Maroon and Nick Paul and Braden Point don't go there or make it difficult to go there or don't make you not want to go into those areas, that's where I'm starting to lean right now. And a couple of guys that come to mind, um, we've talked about Luke Shen as a, a potential player from the Vancouver Canucks, a nice reunion with him. He's someone who could come in and he could potentially do that from a, a, you know, a depth perspective. I've talked about Connor Murphy, who's a big player. We've talked about Gabrikov, who's a, a similar type of guy that I'm talking about. Jake McCabe's name has been brought up a whole bunch. An interesting name that was brought to my attention, too, from the San Jose Sharks, it was Mike Kelly of... Uh, of uh, of ClearSight Analytics and then also from uh, the NHL Network, he brought up uh, Radam Simic, who's a pretty rugged defenseman out in San Jose, who I think is on a pretty solid contract, if I'm not mistaken. Um, young-ish uh, still. He's somebody who would be interesting. Maybe even a Mario Ferraro could be someone who would be interesting if uh, San Jose is willing to really move out some of their defensive pieces so those are a couple of names that kind of come to mind for me and then i'd be willing to go after like maybe a nick bonino and try and get some depth pieces uh if you sign matthew nice can he play in your bottom six in the playoffs i mean i think that he has the size to do that and he would give you a little bit more pop in your bottom six so if you could add a top four defenseman you add a guy like Nick Benino who can be in your bottom six, who adds that element of speed, helps on the penalty kill, and then also you sign and bring in a Matthew Nyes to inject a little bit of punch into your bottom six offensively. I think that would be a really solid um, trade deadline for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I mean, you look at what's kind of you look at what's kind of faulted them the last few years, right? It's always been that game seven. You know, getting over the hump in that game seven. This is why I was thinking with the fours because you need when when the other team is saying, okay, if we can shut down Matthews, Tavares, and Marner, and Nylander, we're gonna win this game, and that's largely what's happened in the last few years. So that's why I'm thinking a forward that can kind of, you know, be the one to kind of add 
just another weapon that another team is going to have to worry about. But I will say that in those game sevens, your defense has to play as much mistake-free hockey as possible. And that also has been a problem. You know, minus Justin Hall getting called for a pick play that apparently only gets called against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I will say this, and this was brought to my attention recently too, like if you do recall, you look at all the game seven losses that the Maple Leafs have had over the past few seasons – they're over on the power play in these game sevens. That's where the big boys are supposed to show up. Not, not this, you know, Ivan Barbashev. Like he's not going to be on your first unit power play. It's just not going to happen. Or whoever you're bringing in. I guess maybe a Timo Meyer could be on your first unit. I'd imagine if you're giving up a whole bunch, maybe you find a way for him to get there. But then who are you taking out? Tavares, Nylander, Marner, Matthews? Are you going to a five forward unit and then having Timo Meyer there? Like maybe, I don't know. Um, but I don't expect them to go get a Timo Meyer type of player. And then anybody else other than that, who they get, who is like a, a second or third liner, a top nine forward, they're not going to really help you on that power play anyways, because at best they'll be second PP guys. So that's another thing too. When you look at game sevens, it's not necessarily that they don't get the scoring, but like you could use some help with your special teams there, not only as a penalty killer, but also let's get a power play goal here and there. And maybe that game goes to overtime last year instead of losing. This is also this is also true. I, I'm still worried about the power play. Just because what I've seen during the regular season, I've seen how other teams' power plays are run. I, I think something's got to change there if they're going to want to, again, as you say, in those crucial moments where you're not going to get as many of those power play opportunities, they got to figure out a way to be a little more successful or you know, a little, I didn't even say like scoring on them, but at least generating more chances so that you're wearing out the other team. You're making yeah, it. You gotta score. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, got to score, yeah. but you also have to make sure that you're not wasting the whole two minutes because you're not able to get chances on that. Either. Yeah. You don't want to spend the whole time reloading because you can't break in. Like if, if you realize after the second time that they're being stingy and not letting you break in, do something different chuck it in and go after and get the puck, right? Like, that's that's something that Toronto also, they need to, you know, situational hockey. When they need to just establish zone possession, like, chip it in and go after it sometimes. Um, and that's also what kind of those depth-heavy guys can do for you also. Like, the, that's kind of what their game is. All right. Um, so, yeah, the trade deadline and, and you know, what they're going to do there, clearly another major storyline that we're going to be following um, over the next three weeks as as the, uh, the the final stretch here progresses for the Maple Leafs. Um, but we got one more storyline that we will be following from here on out, and we will tell you what that is on the other side. But first, Dave, how about a word from one of today's show sponsors? Yep, and that is Built Bar. If you are looking for a delicious treat and but don't want all the fat and the calories, you got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yep, I said it, 100% real chocolate. And they come with unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, cookies and cream, chocolate chip cookie dough. I could go on. There are just so many good flavors out there. And I'm not sure how they do it, but these taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. And they're actually healthier than a lot of candy bars because they only have 130 calories 
roughly four to six grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein just to give you that little bit more of energy for your day. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. They've been talking about trying to get built into retail stores. And now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's club in the States. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. If you're at Sam's club, run in, grab a 13 bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Those of you who want to get it online, don't worry. Built still got that great promo code. Go to built.com and use promo code locked on 15 to get 15% off your order. So that is promo code locked on 15 and you'll get 15% off your order at builtbar.com. Welcome back into the locked on at least podcast. Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. Uh, I want to do a little bit of a roll call here. I'm curious how where everybody's from all right if you've made it this far in the video comment below where you guys are from because i'm curious how many people are in the city of toronto and then how many are outside of the city because we talked about potentially doing a watch party potentially at some bar in the city and i want to know how many people who watch this show religiously um are actually in the city and would be able to come out so this is a way for me to kind of figure out how much interest there would be there based on how many people, how many listeners are in the city itself. So leave a comment down below. Let us know, um, first of all, some of your thoughts on the team, some of your thoughts on what we've had to say today, whether you go in a different direction in the trade deadline, whether you have a different thought when it comes to what you're watching for in the final 30 games, and then let us know where you are commenting from if you're from toronto if you're from mississauga if you're from ottawa if you're from england i know we got a lot of uk listeners as well from japan actually we got some yes we got a a great listener who said that he listens every day from japan shout out to you appreciate that um thank you so much so we got listeners all around the world but i'm curious how many we have uh how many we have here in the gta compared to you know internationally so uh comment down below i'd be curious to see where you guys are listening from. Uh, so we got the final storyline or one of the final storylines. I'm sure there's a whole bunch that we could have come up with that uh, that we'll be tracking. But um, I think the, the third storyline that I think we got to talk about here that we will certainly be tracking the rest of the way is the goalie situation, right? The goaltending tandem, whether if it's both performance and health, of Samsonov and Matt Murray. So, like, there's a lot going on here with the goaltending. I think you can even throw maybe a Joseph Wall into the mix here. Like, it, could Joseph Wall have to play some games here down the stretch if Matt Murray's not good to go? I think we'll get more information on that ankle flare-up. For those who are listening, the little quotations, ankle flare-up. Um, you know, we should get an update again in, in, in practice tomorrow, but I'm, I'm not expecting him to be ready to go this weekend. Are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm. I would say so. You're expecting him to be ready to go. I th- well, I I think that it wouldn't surprise me if he was out there, and he was a possibility. No, so the exact same uh, situation we had two weeks ago. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking that. <laughs> yeah. So so you have no faith. Essentially, is is what you're saying. My faith is I have. It's not like I don't have faith. 
But um, my faith has been taken a little bit, has been taken to the cleaners a little bit here. Dog, I there's there's not much trust there right now when it comes to that guy. I need to see him not at morning skate, not even at 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 uh, the pregame skate until puck drop, and he's not and he's in between the pipes. I'm still not going to believe that he's starting a game next time he goes out there until puck drop, until he registers at least a second of ice time during the game. And I won't believe that he's going to be starting until that happens. Um, on a more serious note, though, I've kind of been thinking about this a little bit. Like we, we've chatted about Joseph Wall and the, the terrific season that he's having in the AHL. He's like 13 and one with like a 928 save percentage. And the Leafs are really, really high on him. Like he's a good technical goaltender. He's 24 at this point. He's a third round pick back in 2016. He's been through that development curve and that development process. Um, and he's getting to a point where next year he's not waiver eligible. So he's going to have to clear waivers if they're going to want to send him down. If I were the Maple Leafs, I might get in Murray's ear and be like, hey, man, take a month. Take a month. You know, your, your ankles, your ankles worse than you think. Okay. It's worse than you think. Just take, take a month and they get a little sniff at what Joe wall could do. Cause you know, maybe he can factor into a, a tandem situation next year, but you're only going to find that out if you let him play in NHL games. Yeah. And I want to, I want to see how, Hey, how's the Leafs development system now when it comes to goaltenders, because they've added a bunch of goaltenders no, the last offseason, Joe Wall is the only remaining in terms of like draft prospect that's here after Ian Scott's. Unfortunately, he had his injury issues, so he's yeah. gone. They got a few goalies out in Europe and in Russia. So, like, Joe Wall is the most immediate prospect that comes to mind for me that I want to finally see them develop a goaltender, right? Because they constantly have to go out and trade for one, whether it was, you know, Frederick Anderson. Jack Campbell signed Peter Mrazek to that now looks like the most asinine contract you could give to a guy who's had his injury issues and trust issues to play actual in well. And then you got the Ottawa Senators saying, please take Matt Murray for us. We'll give you a third round pick and take money. Doesn't that they doubled down like Dubas literally doubled down on that situation flubbed up on Peter Mrazek and said, okay, let's move this money out and then bring in Matt Murray. Just double down, and it's the exact same situation that Murray was, or Mrazek was, a season ago. It's it's really... Don't worry, Mike. If you if you saw that trade tree yesterday that we went through in the Cap Friendly, Matt Murray's on his way out to Chicago because they're just going to take another contract again. Either that or on LTIR, so someone put him on Robita Island in one of the other trade proposals if you guys missed yesterday's show, you got to go check those out. There were some wacky trade proposals that uh, that some Leaf fans are, are coming up with. So go check that out uh, on, on yesterday's pod if you missed it. Um, but I think uh, from a positive perspective, at least, you know, Ilya Samsonov is somebody who is gaining trust, I think, from me. Um, you know, to play eight straight games is something that I don't know if he's ever even done in his career. And uh, to, to have to do that randomly without even knowing after pretty much alternating starts all season pretty well, or for the latter part of the last couple months at the very least, um, you know, it was probably semi-difficult and he just kept rolling. Like he had a really, really good 
um, final stretch there when Matt Murray went down. Uh, well, I guess when he got pulled in that Florida game, came in, didn't allow a single goal, allowed them to come back, get the win, and then uh, kind of went on a roll from there, right? So, you know, he's been playing some really good goal. Up, You know, take away the Ottawa game. And then what he gave up, um, I think the uh, the Boston game, he gave up some like four or five goals too. I think they lost like five to Boston. So they gave up a few goals to, to the Boston Bruins as well. But, I mean, that's after eight straight starts. So, I mean, he was probably tired and had uh, one eye on Cabo or wherever he went for, for the all-star break. Um, but he is somebody who, you know, I think has has earned a lot more starts. He's earned the the one A when it comes to talking about this tandem. And uh, you know, I'll be curious to see if he can continue the strong play down the stretch. You know, like that's that you can't just play well for for the first two thirds of the season. You got to keep it going. And then what can he do come playoff time? But so far, so good with Ilya Samsonov. So that's been. Uh, that's been a positive. He took two big swings, Kyle Dubas did. So, yeah, we'll poke fun at the swing he took on Matt Murray, but he also took an equally risky swing on uh, on uh, Ilya Samsonov. One's worked out, one hasn't. So we'll see uh, we'll see what happens through the final 30 games before we can really give a full analysis and a full breakdown on how those uh, how those goalie that goalie ga- gamble is the word I'm looking for. Trying to spit out there the goalie gamble worked out for uh for Kyle Dubas. Um is there an audible mention something else that you want to mention that you're you're kind of you know keeping an eye on seeing how things progress through the last 30 games. We kind of brought up special teams. Can they get the special teams yeah. uh, in order over the course of these last 30 games? Um Morgan Riley, he's got to be someone you got to be watching actually. You know, had had kind of a tough start to the season. Finally scored a goal right ahead of the All-Star break and now coming out of it with TJ Brody back in the fold, they've had a nice, you know, nine day layoff where they could rest up their bodies. You know, I'm hoping that he can also have a big second half surge um, and get himself playing like a, a top pair defenseman that he's being paid to be. Well, and also let's not forget Matthew Nyes. What's going to, what's the future of Matthew Nyes with the Leafs? Yes. Yes. So I, I mean, I expect for him to have a deep, run with with minnesota they're like i think the number one team in the country if not one of the top teams in the country um i expect for them to have a nice long playoff run frozen for the whole nine so we won't see him for a little bit but uh yeah all things point to him signing with the leafs after his collegiate season is over and then what can this kid do you know there's a lot of pressure on him he also could be traded i guess which would take yeah. away some of the luster of uh, of you know his post collegiate career, but if he does stick around, what does he got? That's definitely going to be something in the final you know half dozen games or something like that that uh, that we'll certainly be keeping an eye on. So there's there's another one for you. If you got any more that we missed uh, or that you think are more intriguing storylines that you will be keeping an eye on that we didn't mention, let us know down in the comments below. But that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and uh, supporting the show. You can subscribe to Locked on these podcasts and all podcasts and platforms. Also on YouTube, um, you can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. You can follow the show as well at Locked on Leafs. Uh, we'll be back with another episode 
tomorrow. We finally got a game to tee up. So we'll preview that one. It's a back-to-back against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll tee up both games as we uh, head into the weekend. So excited for that. Please return uh, tomorrow for, uh, for that podcast. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.